Sorry, I know this is like I'm beating it to death, but yeah. it's, it's just worth bringing up. <laughs> she says, the choice has been made. The traveler has come. <laughs> and they go, Bill Murray yeah. goes down the line. He's like, yeah. I didn't think of anyone. Yeah. Did you think of anyone? So and while this is going on, this is why Dan Aykroyd is such a brilliant actor. Coward. You look at his face. Yeah. He's, yeah. Taking this, he's shrinking his yeah. stature. He's taking a step back. And he looks at him. The child And he says, what did you do, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, it's the State Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> says it was such defeat in his voice. It's the State Puff Marshmallow Man. It's so good. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Our mission is to take you on a most excellent adventure through time. Buzz in the Tower is so much more than a podcast. It's the map to One-Eyed Willie's treasure. And all you have to do is sit back, listen, and repeat after me. Klaatu! Barata! <clears throat> Buzz in the Tower answers the questions you didn't even know you had. Like who would win in a fight, John Rambo or Hans Gruber? Or who is dreamier, Jake Ryan or Marty McFly? So as we rank, debate, and offer fresh takes of the best of the best from 80s cinema, please remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to a podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Don't forget to subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For bonus content, you can find us on all social media channels by searching our handle at Buzz in the Tower. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us with topics you'd like us to talk about, visit our website, buzzinthetower.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, thetower.com. Buzz in the Towers brought to you by Verde Media. Max, I couldn't be happier with the way our website looks. So good. Yeah, if you haven't had a chance to take a look at our website yet, you need to right away. These guys, website development, online marketing, they are outstanding. Am I exaggerating at all? It is so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend having them build you one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, look, they're the best of the best. And working with John, uh, their owner, a self-admitted 80s martial arts movie nerd was an absolute joy. Is that why you said the best of the best? That is why I said yeah. that was a tip of the hat to John. Um, they're more than our sponsor. They're our partner. And if you are looking to build a website, they are the group to go to. Uh, find their link on our website and check them out, Verde Media. Today's episode, Who You Gonna Call? Ghostbusters. 1984 is widely considered the greatest year for movies of all time. Temple of Doom, Terminator, Beverly Hills Cop, and Karate Kid, just to name a few. One movie in particular stood above the rest as a cultural and spiritual life-changing event. New York City is headed for a disaster of biblical proportions. Old Testament, real wrath of God type stuff. 40 years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the Zool to my Vince Clortho, Max Sanders. And with that, let's go bust some ghosts. Are you the key master? <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's got weird very quickly. Super weird. You're my, you're my Dana Barrett, man. That's cool. You're my Sigourney. Yeah. My sweet Sigourney. <laughs> 
with uh, that orange jumpsuit and I, the wild I, hair. I, I think they, the power couple of the 80s should have been Rick, Rick Moranis <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver. She would have stomped on him. Oh, man. Max. Yes. Exciting. Oh, my God. So exciting. I feel so funky. I feel I'm ready to bust some ghosts. Yes. We, we very rarely... I mean, very rarely do just a single movie dedicated. The second one. Yeah. I mean, the only other movie is the the holy, the holy movie. Predator. You're really good at that. I am. Yeah. Do that, the Billy laugh. Do the Billy laugh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're so uh, Do the, uh, do the Hawkins. I can make it. <laughs> there you go. Great. You know, we never really talk about our process. I think actually this would be a good opportunity to just briefly talk about our process. Like you we, mean that we get in front of mics and just start talking? I think people know that part of the process. <laughs> I really meant more of the pre-production process. We press the record button. It's 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 a lot more than that. Mo does some stuff on the computer. I do some magical stuff on the computer. And it goes on the interweb. Our process of picking out topics stresses me out. I love it. I know because you love to debate with me, and we and I love what we land on. You know, I would say we get a lot of really positive feedback. From a lot of people that the thing that they enjoy the most about our show is our unique topics. Yeah. Every once in a while, though, there's no way to dress this pig up like this movie is going to get discussed when we're going to talk about it. And yeah. that's it. Well, you drive me crazy because you switch topics four times a week. I love driving you crazy. <laughs> Call me on Friday. Be like, I got a new one. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, this is five hours of research. When you when you immediately agreed to do I agree to anything. I mean, it's so true. <laughs> that's unfortunately so true. You'd be but like, Ghost Dad. Let's I, do it. I bet you were surprised when you started digging into Ghostbusters what you had really taken on. I was really upset because <laughs> I thought this was going to be a nice leisurely stroll through a classic movie. No, sir. It's like encyclopedia. Yeah, how this was made, how oh, it almost didn't get made. This thing is a beast. It's insane. But this is what happens when you have these these movies that just they they transcend decades. They they stick I didn't around forever. How big an impact this thing this had. this was a cultural event. Yeah, I mean this is like to this day it, it, it's just the, the that people still dress their children up. That yep. I, I went to a Halloween parade and this guy had um, a little like Red Rider wagon right. outfitted as Ecto-1 That's with crazy. his kids, kids yeah. dressed up as the Ghostbusters. Yeah. I didn't even know this movie existed. I had all the toys. Yeah. And I didn't even know this was a movie oh, until... Dude. The collectibles, the, the high C Ecto cooler, which like if they re-released that today, it would still like sell out and be huge. It's delicious. <laughs> Have you ever had it? Maybe. <laughs> I know the McDonald's one. Is that it? So I think McDonald's might have carried it, but okay. I don't remember. I, it was high C that put it out. Is it bright orange boxes. or is it green? Oh, God. That's a great. I think it was bright orange. Okay. Then, it, yeah, then the McDonald's one I did. Okay. Have. Right. It was really good. I don't remember. Happy I wasn't allowed to have high C when I was a kid. Shut up. Really? No, not at all. <laughs> I probably just had so much of it that it didn't even affect me. Uh, Ghostbusters came out in 1984. Best movie year ever. This is a huge movie year. There it's are a the lot movie of, year. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it against anything. Any, any decade, anytime, anywhere. This. 94, I think 2003 is really heavy. Yeah, and there's yeah. like 76 when The Godfather came out. And stuff sure, like that. sure. Yeah. This and 1912. <laughs> <laughs> we. Today, we're going to try, and I say try. I mean, do you remember when I first brought this topic up, you were like, oh, we're going to do Ghostbusters 1 and 2? I was like, we're not going to have time to do Ghostbusters 1 and 2. It's the same movie, basically. No. If you think about it. I don't know. They're just having a good time. Vigo the Carpathian? Yeah. (laughs) Only a Carpathian? (laughs) I do like that movie, although certainly not as much as the first one. But we're going to try today to talk about Ghostbusters, to talk about how this movie got made, who like the everything from the script to the production to the actors. To Every then, one of those could be its own topic. And there's a lot. And then we'll talk about what it means to us, the special warm fuzzies in our heart. Yeah. So, uh, no cold pricklies here. No cold pricklies. And Max, with that, I, uh, I think we can hop in and start dancing. What do you think? Let's do it. Parapsychologist Venkman, Stance, and Spangler are fired from their university jobs and decide to go into business for themselves as Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Very Not simple. an overly, a very simple, very simple plot. 
That's what this movie is. Yeah, so there's no origin story, really, because they show right away ghosts exist, and they believe in them, and they have all the technology right away. Yeah. So I love that, yeah. that it's like not like an hour of like, oh, are they going to make it? Are ghosts real? No, no, no. In the first two seconds in the library, they're yeah. like, hey, these are really real. It's funny now, being a little bit older and knowing that sometimes universities are where academics kind of hide from the real world. Yeah. So like now seeing this movie, I'm kind of like, oh, this is actually really funny. When, when Ray's like, you don't know what it's like in the real world. Yeah. They expect results. <laughs> it's, I'm it's, like, I feel you. Before we dive into the fabric of this movie mm. and start talking about all things up, down, the left, and right, why don't we talk about this? Why do you love this movie? It's freaking goofy. <laughs> it's just silly. It is. It's just Bill Murray playing ISO ball. It, it is. It's Bill Murray being Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, it definitely seems like he didn't look at a script. He's just like, I'm going to play the piano. They hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when they shot that piano scene that uh, one of the guys on the crew laughed out loud and really? they had to reshoot it? Yeah. Because it was either found it so funny. And also, I'm a scaredy cat. Horror movies freak me out. Yes, correct. You this are. is showing showing that ghosts are fun. You know what I mean? That you can vanquish what's in the darkness. Sure, yeah. sure. So emotionally, this is big for you. Yeah. I Nothing scary really about this, is there? No. I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, the first time I saw this movie. The librarian ghost is freaky. That got me. Yeah. So we, we had a neighbor when I was growing up that had a bunch of VHS movies. Mm. And we borrowed a couple of them. And, I, and the two movies that we borrowed, I remember distinctly watching both of them were uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the like original one. I don't like that that much. It was that scarier than Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oompas. Yeah. Get out of here. Uh, and then Ghostbusters. Mm. And one of the reasons that I love this movie is that it kind of set the template for TV stars can become great movie stars. Yeah. And in, even in addition to that, the chemistry that these guys have with each other. Well, they're all like Canadian comedy TV guys. Right. And, and, and like it's it, you feel like you're watching a really well written, well put together height of height of their success. Saturday Night Live skit. And like that to me as a movie is 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 interesting. It's intriguing. Yeah. I don't I wouldn't consider it written. It seems like they're pretty much spitballing <laughs> some of it. I mean, I think all of the, it. The, no, the, the structure of it, the bones are there. I mean, they, they is it? Yeah. I think so. we'll, talk, okay. we'll talk. We'll yeah, talk about yeah. the script because but I, I, I think that. That those individual performances mixed with some like really fun special effects that, yes, they were a little cheesy. They weren't but like know. neon greens and pinks. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> then and yeah. then the music too, like everything. Oh, so good. Yeah. Everything about the movie. It just works. Yeah. It, it, it's in we you and I have joked about how my rule about I would not change anything on Predator. And there's yep. there's a handful of movies and there are some things that you certainly could make a case you could make better. But the reason I really love this movie is it just struck all the right chords. Yeah. And. Obviously, it's light all the way through. There are some movies where I'm just like, okay, like our guilty pleasure episode. Like it might be something only I like or a pocket of society likes. It's Cherry 2000 vibes. Cherry 2000. <laughs> this movie transcends Mo and Max, transcends who watched it in the 80s. This thing is still churning and burning, man. Like 30 some years It's still later. a top five comedy in pretty much everyone's and, and, wheelhouse. And you can like, I, I, you can sit down. I sat my kids down and showed them this movie oh, well, they and think. they love yeah. it. They love this movie. Yeah. And like, I, it just keeps growing. And we're not going to talk about, by the way, I, I make one mention of this because I don't want there to be a whole lot of negative on this, but you know how I feel about the sequel to coming to America. Yeah. The remake of this, not the one that's about to come out, which actually looks good. The one with Chris Hemsworth as the, uh, that is, assistant. that is up there with one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life so it don't count it don't doesn't matter I, it was really and you know the part of it that was sucked in my mind is that i the All cast the cast was incredible yeah. those those women are hilarious yeah. like i i individually love them i love the movies they're in that movie and and, and never pa- seen it. oh god don't so just don't i'll yeah, save I'm you good. the trouble it was bad all right so hopping back for a minute we love this movie Right. And we love it in a very special, unique way that a lot of people do. Have you ever seen, uh, as we're talking about our love for the movie before we get into it, have you ever seen the documentary Ghost Heads? No. It's a terrible name. It's it, it, 
Ignore the name. I can't. I want you to watch this documentary. Okay. It's about the cult following of Ghostbusters. Right. Every single state has a Ghostbuster chapter. Yeah, didn't they have like a fan club when they first came out with this movie too? It's like eight bucks a month. I don't know about the fan club when you they got first like a came pen. out, but yeah. I do. I do know this. This documentary shows these different people in their lives. Some of them are like recovering addicts. Some of them have tragedy, and how they use being a Ghostbuster mm. as a way to engage with the community. They they have the Ecto One. They rebuild cars. They build proton packs. They go to Comic Cons. Yeah. They have badges. And there's all these chapters all the way in France, Ireland, every, yeah. there's a Detroit Ghostbusters. Mm. There's an Ann Arbor Ghostbusters. Like they're everywhere. It's incredible. That's dope. Watching this documentary is a reminder of how massive and big of a cultural deal this movie was. Did you have the outfit? I did not. No. I did not. That's sad. I just said, did you ever have the outfit? No. All right. But I had the trap and I had the proton oh, bag. I had the trap. Yeah. That. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, maybe since we neither of us had the outfit, that's something we should look into. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be in our next uh, photo shoot. Definitely. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Um, let's hop into how this unicorn got made. It's wild. It's pretty wild. I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I was sh- believes in this stuff. I, I'm surprised by it. But the same token, when you know a little bit more about these guys, it's not as shocking. Right. So it all starts with Dan Aykroyd and he. What comes, a weirdo. What a weirdo. <laughs> In, in the most a beautiful, in, in, a beautiful weirdo, weirdo yeah. in the best way, generations of paranormal history. In Five his generations back, crazy. It's yeah. crazy to me. His his great grandfather was known as as a seance, speak to the other dimension, dude. Yeah, spiritualist. Yeah, isn't yeah. that wild to you? Yeah. I think that's crazy. His grandfather I mean, tried to communicate with the dead. His dad wrote like a quarterly magazine about yeah. talking to ghosts. Yeah, uh, Crystal Skull Vodka. Have you tried it? Delicious. I, I I like it. I love the bottle it's in. It's fantastic. I love anything in the skull. Have you ever heard, have you ever seen his video where he talks about it? No. He's It's insane. I mean, yeah. he's, he talks about like the power of crystals and the skulls and the Mayans. And I mean, but it's interesting because this all leads to why some of the dialogue in this movie is so great. It's legit. Because it's him like yeah. speaking the language that he grew up speaking with generations throughout his family about this stuff. Like when he does the Bible verse in the car yeah. with Winston, it feels real. It does. His, yeah. his grandfather was a telephone engineer and he used to, he invested investigated the possibility of contacting the dead using radio technology. Like that's where he's coming from. Yeah. This, there's movies like that too. It's wild. His yeah. dad authored a well-regarded history of ghosts. That's the name of the book. Yeah. A well-regarded history of So this of is ghosts. his homage to yeah. his childhood. So he writes this script. Not this script. It's a very, it's different, a very different, different script. script. Yeah. Called ghost breakers. Wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't that original? Ghost smashers. Ghost smashers. That's yeah. right. Ghost breaker. We'll talk about that. What yeah. ghost breakers means, but it would have been a $300 million monster movie. Yeah. That like Ivan Reitman looked at and 40 pages in, he goes, there's going to be $150 million. Just no. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, all credit to Dan Aykroyd. And I think this speaks volume to who he is as a writer and a creator. He's a collaborator, a not just a collaborator. He's not an ego guy. No, not at all. I mean, like he allowed them to butcher this script and chop it down to something that was like, I want to say fundamentally, it was aesthetically very different oh, than yeah. what he originally It was wrote. in space and in the future before. Right. And there were multiple groups of Ghostbusters yeah. and it was, is very, very different. He said he's a kitchen sink writer, right? Where he throws everything in and he needs someone to kind of taper it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he, he, it's he, like the rule of improv. It's like, you want to make the guy better next to you. you yeah. Know what I mean, you want to help out. Well, and so it's, it's great that you bring that up. I still, I think to me, this goes back to why he was great on Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. The Coneheads, the Blues Brothers, these are all his creations, but he allowed They're the groupings. people around them to, yeah, exactly, yeah. to adjust them. So he writes this script and he writes it with the intent of it being him and Belushi mm-hmm. and, and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. That was the third. And I don't think Eddie Murphy knew he was supposed to be part of this, no, though. No, no. He was <laughs> he's busy. Like, he's like, ah, uh, Beverly Hills cop, yeah, dude. Well, he was busy recording Party all the time. <laughs> 
was that then? Uh, it was around then. It yeah. was in the eighties. I don't know if it was exactly then. I was <laughs> more. I was just making fun of. Right. I was just making fun of party all the <laughs> you time. You bring that up whenever you want. Because I like to party Stop all it. the time. I'm sorry. Ghostbusters. So he. He, it's I am because I love this movie. Like there's little stupid things in your head that you don't even think about. Like even the characters of Vankman and Stance and Spangler together, you have the scarecrow, the lion and the tin man. Yeah. Like there are these like the heart, the brain. And when he originally wrote the script, he was kind of pulling on these Abbott and Costello ghost hunting movies that yeah. he used to grow up watching. So Bob Hope, like, Three yeah. Stooges. Exactly. So Aykroyd takes his script to Ivan Reitman. Multiple times. Oh, it wasn't multiple times. Yeah. I didn't know that. The first uh, time Reitman was like, yeah, this is a bit nutty, <laughs> a little bit nutty. Um, and, and at this time, you have to remember what's going on, right? So this ends up being written by Dan Aykroyd. He takes it to Reitman. Ivan Reitman says, listen, we'll do this, but I want to bring Harold Ramis on board. Yep. And this is immediately where Aykroyd could have gotten a little puffy about it. And he was like, no, this is great yeah. because he already knew. I mean, Harold Ramis, Harold Ramis was the writer, one of the writers on Animal House, Meatballs, Caddyshack and Stripes. Yeah. He obviously starred in Stripes next to Bill Murray. He's really good as an actor. Very good as an actor. And he's great as a director. Um, At the time, he was widely being considered one of these like comedy voices that yep. was coming up. Kudos to Dan Aykroyd for knowing that and accepting that. Aykroyd had written and acted in the Blues Brothers, which was a huge success. Yep. So, and it's all, it's all coming together. All these pieces are falling in place, right? So after they connect, I think they literally walked from the lot. Like they, they, they left the office and walked right. over to go get Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman read the script as was. It mm -hmm. hadn't even been totally reworked. It was like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. So now that they're in that piece of it, and I think all this took place, if I'm not mistaken, after Belushi passed away. Yep. Correct. Okay. So you already had to start kind of rethinking the movie because Belushi had passed. Because he started the script in 81 and he had a That's rough right. cut of it. And That's then right. when Belushi passed, he put it to the side for yep. a few years. You're right. You're right. Um, they rewrite it. They then get Bill Murray on board. And I think this is like, to me, Do they though? Th that's the <laughs> quote. Unquote. I love the story. Yeah. I love the story that like, it was known that Bill Murray was like committal, but non-committal. So like, why do we love Bill Murray for doing this? If like <laughs> it was nowadays, we'd be so upset. If right. This was an actor. We'd freak out. Yeah. I, th his personality. He's just so like aloof and out there. Yeah. And they, they kept on turning to like Dan Aykroyd and being like, so Bill Murray's going to show up. Right. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. I talked to him. We're good. He'll be there. He'll be there. Bill Murray had done again. He'd worked with all these guys as well. He'd done meatballs. He'd done Caddyshack. He'd done stripes. You know, they then go get Ernie Hudson. The The nice thing about Ernie Hudson is a nice guy. He, he's a super nice guy. You kind of feel bad for him. The original script had Winston had some really amazing lines. Yeah, military background. That was a whole contrast. They're yeah. going to explain the movie through explaining through him. Like, right. what the heck is this stuff? And, and he got reduced yeah. and reduced and reduced. Well, it's funny. It's because they wanted, the studio wanted all the funny lines to go to Aykroyd and Murray because that's why people are coming to the movie. Right. It kind of makes sense. It does. I still feel bad. Like if you're him, cause like, remember like he knew like when, his, he, when he says, I love this town. Though, he had, I'm they, like, they, yeah. I, I feel like he fought to make sure that he at least got that line <laughs> and he was great in this movie. And you know, to be fair, he, he even said he was in an interview and he said, look, that if you get that one blockbuster, you're set for life. Yeah. You're going to get these movies. So I think he was he trying has, to make sure he had a footprint in there. He has over 200 acting credits. He's done right. pretty well. Well, he, he was huge in uh TV prior to hopping over to this. Bosom buddies. Not just that. He I mean, he was in Webster. He was in the Dukes of Hazard. Different Strokes, the A Team. Like he had all types of. And roles he was in, in a Reitman movie in '83, right? Supernatural. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So Ernie Hudson comes on board. Uh, then the role of Lewis Tully was originally built 
for John, for, Candy. For John Candy in the sketches they did the original sketches it's like a portly guy yeah. and like John Candy swinging bachelor he wanted to do it with like a thick German accent yep. he had his own vision he wanted two dogs yeah and they thought it was going to be confusing with like the demon dogs too. yeah he well because I guess he was playing nerds a lot of the time yeah and he's like dude I don't want to do this anymore I get that yeah. I totally understand that I don't know I like him as a do you like nerdy or confident John Candy uh you know it's I, I don't think like I wouldn't say in his roles that he was all that nerdy like I, I just I understand what he was trying to accomplish vacation he's yeah. pretty nerdy in vacation he was yeah. but like great outdoors he wasn't nerdy summer rental summer rental he's a little yeah. bit nerdy great yeah. outdoors later Remember how about uh, Brewster's Millions he wasn't nerdy that's 85 he was, he was, that's 85 oh, yeah, that he's, he started to switch so they give the script to Rick Moranis who couldn't have been more thrilled he's so happy he goes, like he's like I'm this so is happy because at this point great comedy chops but he'd only done Strange Brew Strange Brew so good which is great yeah and he was he was perfect for it oh Rick Moranis was perfect for it he freestyled all that well and then 12 like literally 12 hours after they saw him audition for it they're like this is you like you're in oh it's incredible well he took its own spin on it he's like let me be a weird accountant with like confident weird oh, he was energy. the best he was the best he was the best the then we get you can bring him too i love love i mean every episode i try to tell you like um mary stewart masterson watts yep. is like one of my biggest 80s crushes it's Elizabeth, so weird elizabeth shoe is one of my biggest that one um, i get i don't get Watts. Sigourney weaver's up there man I is mean, it she is a, between aliens and alien and this movie yeah i i, I just like i love she's she's got such range mm-hmm. and for her like working girl too she's really right good, so yeah. she, this is her saying like she she pivoted she wanted to do a comedy yeah. i mean at this point she only had a couple very intense roles and none of them were comedy yeah, she had comedy chops from high, from uh, college at yeah. Yale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when she went to audition for this, did you know about the audition? She barked story? like a dog. No, right? she not barked like a dog. <laughs> she got on all fours and put on this like canine like performance. <laughs> and they were like, "All right, this is a little bit weird, but you are Sigourney Weaver." And they were all just ecstatic to have this role being filled by someone who had done Alien, who had this had these acting chops, and she was. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, perfect for this movie. And they gave Dana Barrett more of a backstory, too. They gave her the... They changed her to the musician. Yeah, she, she was going to be yeah, a model, kind yeah. of just a know-nothing, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Absolutely. And then Max, uh, you know, there are obviously tons of roles in this movie, but I only have one more that I think was worth talking about. There's not that many roles, actually, if you think about it. There's like seven or eight people. Tons of roles, meaning like we could talk about who played the mayor. We could talk about who played one of the cops. We could go deep into this. Yeah. But the only one that I think is worth bringing oh, up Sergeant right Al Powell's, by the way, in this movie. Oh, yeah, he is? Yeah. He's uh, in the jail. <laughs> yeah. when they let him out of the jail. That's such a good call. Um, William... Atherton, your oh guy, God, you, yeah. your guy, Jerry Hathaway, Jerry Hathaway, man. Yeah. Also, you know, it's funny. I always forget he's Thornburg in Die Hard. Yeah, he's the 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 sleazy. The, he gets punched uh, in the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in Die Hard too. Um, but in Die Hard, oh no, you're right. In both. Yep. He gets punched oh, in the face. Yeah. Stop. God, MG, you're so dumb. <laughs> How could you not remember that? Uh, his greatest role probably is Doctor Noah Faulkner in Biodome. <laughs> this might be his best role. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. He's the greatest foil. He's the real bad guy. He was in movie. a movie with Stephen Baldwin. Can we just appreciate that? Come on. Polly Shore, Stephen Baldwin. Not in the 80s. Not in the 80s. You're right. You're right. Polly Shore is very 90s. Stephen Baldwin wasn't the usual suspect, which is a great movie. Not in the 80s either. Not in the 80s. William Atherton plays Walter Peck. Uh, the EPA agent. What and a jerk. He's great. Don't he's great in this role. Yeah. He's great in this role. And that's your cast. And so they, as they're fleshing the cast out, you've got Reitman, Ramis, and Aykroyd. Yep. And they, uh, they basically are ready to roll. So they take their script over to Frank Price. Frankie P. At Columbia, uh, a visionary. And, uh, sure. Well, well you gave him 25 million bucks. Well, they had yeah. just made, he had just made bank off of stripes. I mean, yeah. I think stripes was 10 million and it brought in like a hundred or something right. insane like that. Yeah. So, that, you know, when he gets the names attached to it, right? Well, so he had to got, fight his bosses. Well, he didn't fight them. Ironically, at first. No, Coca-Cola he, didn't want to no, do this. No, 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 This You're right. Yeah. At first, there was no fight. He just did what he wanted. Yeah. Reitman, Reitman went in there and mm-hmm. said, I've got 
Dan Aykroyd. I got Danny Aykroyd. I got Bill Murray. I got uh, I got Harold Ramis. Yep. You know, we're and and he's sitting there saying, "Oh my God, it's basically stripes on steroids, right? Yep. You got all these other people in it." And he said, "You know, what's your? I love this part of it. What's the budget?" And he if multiplied you, stripes by three. Right? He did. But if you ask Ramis, there's a story that, uh, or excuse me, Reitman says there's a story where he like held the script in his hand and said, "This feels like about thirty million dollars." <laughs> but yeah, it was basically three times the stripe budget. Right. And Price said, "You're good." Price's kind of unofficial deal with Columbia at that time was you guys leave me alone. I do what I want. So when they made that decision, sounds like an interesting dude. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's arguably brilliant because he made quite a few great decisions yeah. for them that made them a bunch of money, but he makes the decision to green light this movie. And then Columbia loses their mind. Columbia had just gotten purchased from Coca-Cola. Okay. And they had a whole different mentality about how things were going to functionally work. So they sent uh, their top lawyer to go see him and try to talk him out of it. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this movie. Yeah. And they said, fine, it's on your shoulders. I'm Frank Price. So I think fast forward a little bit. They, eventually push Frank Price out of Columbia and he yeah, goes to Universal. to Universal. But even to this day, the people at Columbia will say like their quote is, yeah, he was right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the most <laughs> profitable movie Columbia has ever made yeah. to this day. Yeah. How do you, I mean, how do you like, do you send a bottle of like champagne to the guy, even though you canned him? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, thanks for making us literally $300 million. It's incredible. So they, they get it green lit, green lit. Is that the right way of saying it? Yeah. All right. Green lit. But Frank Price says to Reitman, I want this thing ready to go by June. We're going to do a June opening for this movie. 10 months away. 10 months. Yeah. 10 months on a script that needed to be heavily reworked. Yeah. No special effects. People. No special effects people. Nothing. So they said, yeah, no problem. But there were problems. Yes. So they, they need to start reworking the script. They head out to was Martha's it, Vineyard. Was it Reitman or Ramus's uh, place? It was Ackroyd's place? Yeah, swing and a miss. All right, there you go. I was close, right? <laughs> they were in his basement for two weeks, rewriting. Yeah, they, they hunker down in the basement and they put together what will eventually become the Ghostbusters script. Now, remember, the initial criticism is Ackroyd's script was like a $300 million budget script. That in could space, never in the done. future. They run into the exact same problem. I mean, they come up with some like brilliant ideas for the script, none of which could possibly be done in 10 months or in a $30 million. Budget. Yeah, they wanted the Marshmallow Man to come out of the water, yeah. which is going to be like, that's $100 million right there. Right, right. But they, so they put it all together. Again, at this point, they've had like light conversations. You have to remember, no cell phones, no email. Bill Murray, Bill Murray's in France yep. shooting a movie. Nobody has any contact with him. And they're all just like, yeah, he'll be there. He'll be there. Don't worry about it. So they, they work the script. Now they're moved to... I, you know, doing the set, doing the location, you know, it was supposed to be a New York movie. They shot most of it in California. They shot some in New York. A little bit, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, I think the library was in California. The hotel was in California. The firehouse was in they California. They shot at Columbia. And, and, it, and on the lot. Yep. Yeah. It feels like a New York movie. It's, it a, does. New well, it's, it's a New York movie. Yeah. It's a for sure New York movie. It just wasn't really a lot of it shot in New York. But they they put this whole thing together and that part of it they can do. They know like, these are guys that know how to do shooting on location. They know yeah. how to find those. These are pro directors and writers. What they don't know how to do, though, is special effects. And the special effects story and what they did to get the special effects going, I think, is one of the most fascinating parts of this entire movie. Yeah, it's insane. It's nuts. Industrial light. Magic. ILM. ILM. Um, you may know them from such movies as Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah. yeah. Um, Temple, Temple Doom. Doom. These guys were the gold standard back then. There wasn't like 10 of these groups, no, right? They it were was in. them. It wasn't Coke and Pepsi even. It was just them, yeah. right? And they're busy working on Temple of Doom. Right. So they can't do anything. Little do they know at the time that Richard Edlund, who was famous for his work on the Star Wars films, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Poltergeist, yep. was not happy. He said the environment had become too corporate. So he wants to leave. So he leaves. And they, uh, they Reitman, Ramis, and Aykroyd, go after him. They say, we want you to do the special effects on this. We want you to be our guy. 
they get seed money from Frank Price, $5 million. It's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to forward to him to start basically, he's starting his own company, which by the way, there's this really kind of, there's kind of this cool parallel that we talked about at the beginning of the movie that Ghostbusters was this entrepreneurial start your own business. And that's exactly what they did basically with the uh, special effects company. Yeah, they basically created it. Right. So then he goes back, Richard, as I call him, Richard goes back and cherry picks the best people from that ILM staff Yep. grabs them and brings them over and says, all right, guys, we got about six months. I mean, at this point, why would they not six months, but pretty close, right? Five months. Five months. We have five months to pull this off. Yep. The entire, everything they did is insane to me, right? Yep. We think about movies nowadays that take like a year or however long. They're shooting them. They're reshooting them. They do the effects. They bring the effects back. These guys were shooting for 12 hours a day and then immediately editing. All of the effect shots they were doing were single shot. Like they weren't redoing it. They were literally editing the stuff into the film. Yeah, do you know the Slimer shot when he's around, around the chandelier? Yeah. That's, that's a green peanut. Oh, you're kidding. And <laughs> that's all they did. That's why it's so quick. Would you like a peanut? <laughs> Was that your Fezzik? Yeah, that's terrible. Your Fezzik is better than mine. I don't have a Fezzik. Anybody want a peanut? There you go. It's not great. That's better than mine. Uh, Yes, it was. See, it could have been that bad. You knew that that was my Fezzik. Because the line. Yeah, there aren't a lot of peanut lines. (laughs) But this, this, I think you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. This goes back to like the coincidental magic of this movie. Like how it happened is incredible. Like they shouldn't have been able to happen. Yeah. And so they're getting, they're getting ready to shoot. I, I jumped ahead a little bit to the special effects, right? They're get, they work the script over. Everything's ready to roll. Bill Murray's not doing table reads. He hasn't showed up yet. He hasn't done anything. Nothing. Yeah. They show up at the airport, I think like a day before shooting mm-hmm. or, or pretty close. And Bill Murray's there. He's walking through the airport with like a blowhorn, like yelling into the blowhorn, making noises. It sounds Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. They grab him. They take him to like an undisclosed location, like a restaurant. So they can sit down and go over the script with them. He's like, I trust you guys. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, (laughs) that was, that was it. He had no idea. He had no like pre exposure to the script, no input, no nothing. He's just like, yeah, whatever. I trust you guys. Let's go. Well, yeah, I'd live most of it. He did, but he was brilliant. Yeah. And, And so all these scenes were these, these incredible scenes where he's making these great, funny comments. There are multiple scenes being shot where it's all different. Like it's like really three or four different versions. Cause he never said the same thing twice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because when you ad lib, that's what you do. So you take basically the three or four shots and they just pick the one they think is the funniest. I like when he hands uh, Egon the candy bar. He's like, you deserve this. You deserve this. this. I'm like, what? And Aggro's just so amused. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So they they get Bill Murray. They start shooting the special effects. They roll this thing together. Yeah, 630 individual effects. Yeah. A testament to how great this movie is, is that if you go and watch it now, you can see all of the errors. The There's strings, a lot of errors. Yeah. There's a lot. In the a, library, you can see the strings. Yeah. 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 But like, you don't care because it's no. like, this almost to me is what I would call the old Star Wars, new Star Wars issue, right? Like, go on. I didn't mind seeing Yoda as a puppet. And when they had all the CGI, there was almost this human element that was removed from it. I almost kind of like the scrappy nature yeah. of this movie that it feels more wholesome and it real. feels like a 50s sci-fi movie. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not overproduced with special effects because when you have amazing special effects, sometimes you rely on those more than the actual human element of the movie. And this is the opposite. Well, it's more comedy than sci-fi. It's it like is. the sci-fi is around it. When you say yes, the sci-fi is totally secondary. One hundred percent. This is one hundred percent a comedy. Yeah, but Aykroyd really grounds it in the sci-fi because he knows all the techno jargon. And that, that, that's great too. I mean, he's referring to Tobin's spiritual guide, which is actually a book now because yeah. of this movie or like the 1909, you know, Tallulah, whatever <laughs> is the other, you know, sci-fi experience. There's just all these ridiculous things he brings up or even when they're in jail and they're going over like the, how do they get the blueprints in jail? I mean, they're just going, <laughs> that's 
Jail was a little bit different back then than yeah. it is now. <laughs> Movie jail in the 80s is wild. Wild, very wild. Well, think about uh, trading places. That's what I say. It seems like that. Yeah, when Eddie yeah. Murphy's just yeah. hanging out, they're just yeah. talking, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole different ballgame. So they get this thing put together. The movie's starting to kind of grow. And then there's one missing element. Slimer. No. <laughs> they need a song. Oh, yeah. They need a song. So they wanted a 20-second cut, some song that they could use you know, to kind of stamp Ghostbusters. So they went to... Very important. Yeah, they went to uh, Fleetwood Mac singer Lindsey Buckingham. Nice. Who sang and did Holiday Road for uh, National Lampoon Vacation. And he passed on it. So then they go to Huey Lewis and Huey Lewis at this point had already done Power of Love for Back to the Future. Yep. And then they go to Ray Parker Jr. Uh, Ray Parker Jr. Like, can you rip Huey Lewis off? (laughs) I, I told you, we are on another podcast where I said, like, if you put these two songs against each other, uh, I, uh, I want a new drug and Ghostbusters. Yeah. They, they're pretty darn similar. Well, one, they won the lawsuit. So, I mean, like, clearly. Well, they, they, did they, they didn't win. They settled, they settled outside yeah. of court. Yeah. So Isn't they, what you want money, though? Yeah, I guess. And also the scratch track, when they were do, recording the movie, yeah, before yeah. they had the song, they were playing I Want a New Drug. That's right. It, so, was, the, it was the space holder. It was the spot for it. Scratch yeah, track yeah. is what it's called. Is that, oh, I thought yeah. I just made Technical that Technical term. Oh, yeah. oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. But. So he didn't really have much to work with because he saw like the beats they were dancing to. And he's like, what can I do? It's like that's something that sounds like <laughs> want a new drug. So he had um, two days, two and a half days to write the song. They gave really? him, yeah, they gave him two and a half days. They call him up. They're like, well, you have two and a half days to write the song. So he could not. He had the beat. He had the rhythm. Yeah. He couldn't get the catch line. So it's like late at night. They've got a courier that's literally waiting for the tape cassette yep. of this to go take. And he's watching like late night infomercials yep. on TV. And it was a exterminator plumber. Was it a plumber? Yep. And it said, who are you going to call? Yep. And he goes, that's it. Because what he was having difficulty with is taking the word Ghostbusters and fitting it into the beat, but using it as an answer to who you're going to call. Yeah. It worked perfect. Call and repeat is the best. Yeah. You do love call I and love repeat. that. Thunderstruck. Yeah. <laughs> or we will rock you. We will rock you is another one too. Maybe a call and repeat you don't like. That's You're right. Yeah. They're all great. So he records this. He gets the tape. They take the tape. They love it so much that they're like, I need you to take this 20 seconds and make it into a four minute song. Well, it's brilliant. <laughs> so they literally just cut and pasted the whole song over and over again. It just repeats itself. I love it. I do. I, I'm not knocking it. This song won a Grammy yeah. and almost won an Oscar. It lost to Stevie Wonder. Really? Uh, yeah. I, uh, God, now I'm not going to remember this. Huh. Um, Ray Parker Jr. played for Stevie Wonder. No, it lost to Stevie Wonder. Uh, I just called to say I love you. Oh, that's a good uh, From the movie The Woman in Red. I had to think for a minute what it was. And that's how you get the Ghostbusters anthem. Yeah. And that's a great song. Didn't the main composer not like the song? He was kind of upset. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Elmer Bernstein, the guy who was uh, Reitman's like go-to composer was like, I don't like that there's pop songs in here. Well, because the rest of, they really went for something different. Like, I mean, the score of the movie, all that's all creepy sounds, very stuff. That's very pop 80s-ish. And everything else from the composer was very classical. Like you notice at the end when he's holding Dana, it's like almost a Moon River song. Yeah. It's really good. It's, Again, another perfect element of a perfect movie. Yeah. So we've got our music. We've got our special effects. They threw the whole thing together. (laughs) We got a green peanut. (laughs) They did an industry screening. It went terrible. But that's because it was industry people, and industry people love to be snotty and say yeah, they're that jerks. Are good. Yeah, they did a person off the street screening. People lost their mind, and they lost their minds. Yeah, they knew the they had puff. People went bananas. What? What did this monster? I I, I know it broke a ton of records. You probably have the data. What did it do in the box office? Two hundred and thirty-five million dollars in the United States. In the United States, thirty million yeah. dollar budget. Yeah, two ninety-five worldwide. And if you translate that to now, it'd be $775 million. That's, that's incredible. It yeah. was the number one movie for... Seven weeks. Yeah. And then the song was a top chart forever, Yeah. Right? And the movie was four months in the top 10. Wow. Unheard of. Wow. So 
84, we were talking about how great a movie year it was. The best, some so people would say. It was the first time ever four movies had made over $100 million. Wow. So it like started the blockbuster. Sure. Yeah. That like, but this, you can but do this, this stood out oh, yeah. above all of them. Yeah. Well, this in Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. which was the one. Which is Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. So good. Did a little better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the 32nd highest grossing movie of all time. But the point on Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop is an action movie. Yep. Action movies were doing that kind of stuff. Yep. This is the first comedy. I mean, this is to your point earlier about sci fi comedy. This is a comedy. Yeah. Like, and comedy never got these kind of budgets nope. and never made this kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is Frank price being like, you know, the price is right. Yeah. That's why I got to run. <laughs> oh, don't, don't roll over that. The price is right. That was Ooh. great. Yeah. Dad yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah, Your dad. Right, <laughs> uh, no, I mean it, 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 it crushed the box office. Yep. It, in a super competitive year. Right. And yeah. not just, and, and I know we talked about this before. It's not even that it beat the hell out of the box office, but it just didn't go away. No. I mean, I, that movie is Halloween. still so relevant. I mean, even look at uh, Stranger Things, all yep. the references, it shows up everywhere. So, you know what I thought about, actually, that this movie influences kind of unconsciously? Isn't Rick Sanchez and Rick and Morty kind of like Egon? A little bit. He's like kind of like that arrogant, doesn't flinch, I know I'm right all the time. Kind yeah. Of a little Isn't bit. There a vibe like that? Is that stretch? It's not a stretch. I mean, there's yeah. there's certainly elements of it. I think obviously it's more Back to the Future, Doc Brown. Right. But yeah. I, I, I but the arrogance saying. I feel like is there. So I think we've covered the movie, how it got made, a, a few facts about it, the actors and actresses. Do the fun stuff. I want to do the fun stuff. There's so much fun stuff. I want to just nerd out about this movie for a minute. About Ghost Smashers? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the name. The name. Yeah. Filmation, yep. who is the company that owns such properties as He-Man and actually I think today Filmation is who owns Dragon Ball Z. And oh, wow. Yeah. They're, they're, so they're no joke. They're big. I, I think it's Filmation. Yeah. No, you're right. They had a show, not even a cartoon. They had a show that was called Live Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. 1975. Right. And, you know, they already spent $30 million on the budget for this movie. So yep. as Frank Price was trying to negotiate with Filmation to try to get the rights to this. Yep. Uh, they weren't sure they were going to get it. So they kept they kept on telling Ivan Reitman, when you shoot this, you need to shoot two versions. Anytime you're using the term Ghostbusters or you have a sign that says it's Ghostbusters, so it's nuts. You also have to call it Ghost Breakers. Ghost Breakers is going to be the backup name. They did this through most of the movie. And that one scene where you have all of the people in downtown New York. I love how they congregate for no reason. <laughs> and they're cheering Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. And then they had to recut it and do another scene where they're all cheering Ghostbreakers. Someone, it may have been Reitman or someone on the set, calls uh, Price, I think. He either called Price or called the studio from a payphone and said, listen to this. And you could hear everyone cheering Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. Right. And they said, we're not doing Ghostbreakers. It's Ghostbusters. Yeah. And from that point forward, it was it was difficult. Although the irony of this, Frank Price's uh, um, exiting gift to the film. Yeah, when, when he, he moved to Universal. Yeah, he moved to Universal, who was the parent company of Filmation. Yep. And he brokered the deal to get him the name Ghostbusters. Half a million bucks and 1% of all Ghostbusters royalties. Which, yeah, not, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, lucrative. Yeah, it's pretty Frank pretty Price has got the Midas touch, man. Yeah, Everything, yeah. Everywhere he goes, he's I just crushing. What the deal is? I bet he's bald and powerful like Bezos. For sure, for sure. I mean, he's like seven feet tall. I mean, he certainly can point at everyone and say, I told you so. I yeah. Mean, he's pretty brilliant in that regard. <laughs> So they get the name Ghostbusters, which I think the same thing happened. I think that's the reason uh, the cartoon, which did you ever watch the cartoon? No. I love the real it. Ghostbusters, right? I think they had to call it the real Ghostbusters is because there was another cartoon yeah. called Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I loved that cartoon. I, I rode hard for that. I, I think that's watch what I was into. I, I think a lot of people grew up on that cartoon. Yeah, that's I mean, why I, I had the toys. It. And it was fun, too, because a lot of the things that Aykroyd had in the original script, like being able to get inside of the actual containment unit and seeing all the the world in which that exists in, you could explore all that in the cartoon in a real fun way. Yeah. And do you know, 
it's because of that Ghostbusters controversy when they were doing advertising in the beginning, they only did the logo rather than the name itself. No, it, it made people like wonder what was going on. Oh, that's kind of cool. You know, the logo they got. That's like, in, too. that's like independence day. Remember when they were doing independence day and they would just say like ID four and it wouldn't say what it was about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you know what the logo they got sued too for the no. logo? Why Harvey comics sued them for $50 million because it looked like fatso from cats Casper. Oh my God. That's so funny. Isn't that crazy? But you know who created the ghost logo? It was created by associate producer Michael Gross, who just a random guy on set. But he was an art consultant for the Muppets, John Lennon, and the Rolling Stones before oh, this. Wow. So he like knew his stuff. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, here. Like, why do you have someone that art consulted for John Lennon? If, like, I, ever, if I ever create if I ever create anything, I'm just gonna like have a little rider on it that says I want one percent. Because you never know when like you create something and it yeah. turns into like the, the most recognized Trademark logo 1%. in the history Trademark of the world. 1%. Yeah, right. My favorite piece of information is that this was Larry King's film debut. Are you kidding? Isn't that funny? That when is wild. When they're doing the montage. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, I yeah. paused it too. He looks young. Oh, yeah. I love when the Marshmallow Man, Stay Puff guy explodes. Yeah. They used 500 gallons shaving cream. of shaving cream. Yeah. But you know, they couldn't get just normal shaving cream. So they got menthol shaving cream. So Oh, my God. So it dropped on people. Yeah. So 75 pounds of it dropped on Walter Peck. And it's like these actors and stunt doubles got really hurt. Oh, yeah. And I can relate. Remember once at the bar, I used carpet cleaner to, as deodorant and I got burns all over my body. Yes. I can't <laughs> believe you're sharing that. But yes, that was the worst smell of body odor and carpet cleaner. Just for those listening, don't ever mix those two. And I remember you had it was like powder chemical burns yeah. all over. Gosh, yeah. So I, such I, a I, I feel their I feel their pain. That's wonderful that you found a way to connect with this story. Yeah. Also, all the Ghostbusters are over six feet tall. So really? Should, yeah. Isn't there, think about it. Yeah, I guess. They're pretty I, tall. Yeah. I like it. You like tall people. Yeah. Yeah. And also Janine, the uh, secretary, mm-hmm. that's Iona from Pretty in Pink. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Patty. Uh, God, I can't remember her. A- uh, Annie Potts. Her yes, name. Annie Potts. No, yeah. Annie, yes. Annie Potts. <laughs> Little Patty. Annie Potts. Um, the, it's interesting. The when they were doing the screening of it, they uh, they didn't have all the special effects done yet. And people so, didn't care. And no, not, not that they didn't care, but they you know would cut and say special effects added here and they'd have like a little sign. When they did the Stay Puff scene, they had one cut of like the neck up from the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man yep. walking through the city. People lost their freaking minds. Yeah. <laughs> like literally lost their minds. It's so good to it's, like it's great. to today. It's great. There were $20,000 suits. They had three of them. They're all destroyed. Like <sighs> no one can buy them now. I mean, they're destroyed. Because they... Burned them up. Oh, yeah. yeah. The scene where they, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> they crossed right. streams. I was, like, I was like, who just They crossed the streams. You know, that's, that's crossing the streams. Like, I don't know a man alive yeah. who hasn't, like, been on a camping trip or a fishing trip and had to go or a golf outing <laughs> yeah, and, gone, and gone to pee with his friends <laughs> and they're standing next to each other and across the streams joke hasn't been made. You know what's funny? The crossing streams idea wasn't actually in the script. At the end of the movie, they're like, how do we defeat this thing? And they thought about it and they're like, let's cross the streams. And then they put the line earlier in the movie. About never crossing, never the, streams. crossing the streams. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it was on the spot. The whole movie was on the spot. It, it feels very impromptu. Yeah. Also, I think <laughs> there's so many I say it's my favorite fact and then something else is you know the i ain't afraid of no ghost yeah you know what that's from no it's from a 1937 movie called the lonesome ghosts it's a disney movie goofy says that really that's where they got it from goofy said that to begin with well there you go isn't that crazy <laughs> blows my mind your mind gets easily blown i know that's probably from that uh chemical burn injury that you had <laughs> <laughs> this movie has so many small brilliant touches the beginning with the lines in front of the library yeah it's supposed to foreshadow the terror dogs yeah, and the gargoyles at the end. Yeah. I just love stuff like that. It, 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 it's a well-built movie. Going more into the movie part of it okay. um, and moving away from the fun fact part of it, uh-huh. I got some questions for you. Okay. And uh, they're not easy ones to answer, but you're just the kind of guy who'll come up with a good one. Who's your favorite Ghostbuster? See, 
The easy answer is Venkman. It really is. It's not mine. I don't. No. Have, I don't have Venkman. Okay, then I'm gonna take Venkman. He's right. just, he's, <laughs> Here's this is the funniest Max. The easy answer is Venkman. I don't have it. Okay, Venkman. I'm taking Venkman. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to go cross culturally. All cross, right. Wait, that's not the right word. No, it's not. But continue. Cross, I know. It's all right. It's what's cultural. the word? Countercultural. Countercultural. There it is. Counterculturally. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to say. <laughs> just go ahead. Why is it Venkman? Because it's just Bill Murray being Bill Murray. Right. It's just him goofing around. He's having fun. At the end, when he like pretends that there's the wind in his hair, yeah. when he's cheering in front of everybody. I think there are so many amazing things that he does in this movie. The There are scenes like when they're in the elevator and they yeah. flip the packs on. And he's like, you know, we really haven't had a chance to test this. And he's like, I blame myself. <laughs> like the, the whole conversation that they're having in yeah. there. And then as he like slowly moves away from him. Uh, you know, I feel so funky <laughs> when he's covered in the slime. Everything about How about when he's like, oh, I'll go over to Dana apartment check her out <laughs> i mean i mean yeah. check out her apartment <laughs> no when they're drinking outside when they just got fired where we're we gonna get the money i don't know and he just takes another rip and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon I know. he does the double i know i agree that, i agree guaranteed that was real liquor oh for sure yeah no he was i mean he's great it's an easy one to pick my favorite but this is i'm not doing this to be counterculture like which or whatever term you <laughs> had before <laughs> bad term I, egon i think egon okay that was my other one i yeah. think harold ramus makes the movie yeah I, bill murray's incredible but when you have someone that powerful, a comedic presence that strong, yep. playing the straight laced, it's hard. It's really hard, yeah. and he does it so well. And the he, hole in the head is like that would have worked. If that would have worked if they let me. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Uh, who's your favorite non-Ghostbuster character in this movie? So he makes the movie because he's the only conflict. It's got to be Walter Peck. I picked Peck too. Really? I, I did. You I didn't picked, pick Tully. No. Okay, I, I'm switching. I love Lu Lewis. Is great. Lewis is better. He's great. But Peck is Peck is like he's the only real uh, antagonist right? yeah. in the movie outside of the ghosts. Yeah. Outside of Gozer, the Gozerian. He's such a jerk. He's he's great. Yeah. Like the scene where uh, he's getting pulled out of the office and Venkman's pointing his finger at him. All impromptu. Oh, and really? He, and he yeah. went with it, too. Yeah. So his responses when they're going back and forth, like that's all impromptu. <laughs> he's it's true, great. sir. I can't say it, but <laughs> he didn't say the magic word. And he's like, can I please take a look at the entertainment or the containment unit? It's the whole thing is great. Can we talk about Lewis Tully and the one shot in the party you realize that was all improv from no. the from when he grabbed the tylenol do you know the woman that he's on the date with is casey Kasem's wife yeah, yeah yeah we mentioned them the first episode. oh we did when we yeah. talked about yeah our yeah. radical music don't repeat games. yourself I'm sorry i'm sorry it's like 20 <laughs> episodes ago i'm sorry I, I thought about that a lot while thinking about this for some reason that okay we had the, yeah we had the ghostbuster song in it so that but makes like, sense the, the smoked salmon for 24 dollars he gets for 14.95 the tylenol the brie, yeah. the brie being room temp He's got 15,000 totally left on his best. house at 8%. So they're all right. How much he's in love with Dana. Like, yeah. he, like he's one of the earliest friend zone characters. Or when he says he do, he's doing a 20 minute exercise tape, but he speeds it up to double the time so he can do it in 10 minutes. He's great. Yeah. Rick, I mean, you know how I feel about Rick Moranis. Yeah. I love Rick Moranis. Um, all right. How about your favorite scene? I think it's the montage. I like a good montage. We're in the 80s. It's got to be montage. Like you see like the Time Magazine, the Larry King. You see the cuts of them like, you know, saving everybody. It's just like, it's the feel good moment when they it's hit the, the roundup. Success. It's the roundup. That's why I said at the beginning when I was talking about like the roundup, like it's, it's not a roundup in the traditional sense because right. they're already a crew, but you feel like they're, they're finally together. Yeah. Like yeah. that's like they're, they've made their statement. They're well, it's a success up. story. Yeah. There's their Reagan. They pulled themselves up and now they're making money. <sighs> Mine. I alluded to it before is they're on the roof yeah. and Gozer says, you know, choose and perish, <laughs> <laughs> choose the form of the destructor. Did you and, know she couldn't say it right. And Bill Murray was making fun of her that it sounded like she was saying Jews and berries. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> 
I didn't because she was a Slovenian actress, right? Uh, which is so random. Well, they, they wanted Grace her. Jones. Oh, Grace Jones would have been perfect. So good, but yeah. she couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I think the, I mean I'm I'm gonna I'm kind of reading it because I think it's worth reading because it's my favorite scene in the movie. Bill Murray's out there saying, you know, uh, just think of the example he gave is hilarious. He's like, oh, I get it, I get it. If we think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover will appear in stress. Like, how random is that J. Edgar Hoover that pull that he has? Then <laughs> this is I, I'm sorry. I know this is like I'm beating it to death, but yeah. it's it's just worth bringing up. <laughs> she says the choice has been made. The traveler has come. <laughs> And they go, Bill Murray yeah. goes down the line. He's like, yeah. I didn't think of anyone. Yeah. Did you think of anyone? So and while this is going on, this is why Dan Aykroyd is such a brilliant actor. You Powering. just look at his face. Yeah. He's yeah. shaking this, he's shrinking his yeah. stature. He's taking a step back. And he looks at him. The child. And he says, what did you do, Ray? Yeah. And he said, it's the State Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> he just says it was such defeat in his voice. It's the State Puff Marshmallow Man. It's so good. And he goes into this whole thing like he's blubbering this about. my childhood. And, and Camp Wakanda, by the way. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, shout out Black, to, yeah, Black absolutely. <laughs> and, and he, he looks at, Finkman looks at, uh, at uh, Egon and says, um, Ray's gone bye-bye. Egon, what do we have left? And Egon says, sorry, Binkman, I'm terrified beyond the capacity for rational thought. I like the whole, that entire scene to me is like the best scene. It's them all being at their funniest. Yeah. It's just great. So we're both wrong. The right scene is the last five minutes when they're downstairs and everyone's cheering and Ghostbusters is playing. That is a great scene. No, no it's not really a scene because it's like you wouldn't show it to someone to yeah. like show what the movie exemplifies, but the feel goodness at the end. I don't think any movie has a best capper like that. Would you pick that though? Or would you pick when they first arrive and you've got the priests and you've got the Hasidic rabbis bopping the, their head the up the and down? The priests are on the bat and in the last scene, they're there too, just yeah. cheering on. Yeah. yeah. It and feels, Raven finally kisses Dana. That, that end scene. a really scene, awkward kiss. It was like, an awkward <laughs> kiss. That, that end scene of the movie is so 80s. Yeah. That's such an 80s well, thing. When the Slimer comes. And also that the uh, the credits are still rolling while they're there. Yeah. You know, and Dan Acker was like smiling at the camera, lighting up a cigarette. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, they it. and they loved I mean, they they loved interacting with people. So the shots that were in yeah. downtown Manhattan, right? Or, yeah. or I don't know if it was Manhattan, wherever it was in New York. The those it's scenes, I assumed it was those scenes. I mean, they they got permits and they yeah. were there and people like they had extras and then there were people off the street and it was huge. Yeah, Do you it know was huge. They didn't have permits for some scenes. Like if you see them in Rockefeller Center with uh, the trap, uh-huh. they're actually being chased by a security guard. That really happened. Oh, shut up. Yeah, that's cool. so they didn't have any permits for some. That's of so things. funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were they were flying. Yeah. I mean, they had to get this thing up and ready to go. Um, Max, any critiques of this movie? Is yes. there anything you, you have? Some like, I, I you know I struggle with this. Yeah, I have something weird. You're not gonna like this. You always, all right. Well, look, maybe you should do this before you enlighten me with what I only assume will be. I'm going to stupefy you. You're going to be something terrible. I'm going to want to punch you. Um, We should probably stop and allow our sponsors to speak for a second. Yeah. Sound like a plan? They can vanquish our ghosts. There you go. <laughs> well, let's go. Buzz in the Towers brought to you by Capsiva Pain Relieving Gel. And I can tell you that if you're sitting at a table across from a guy who has to go to the bathroom every 25 minutes, sure. you're going to get arthritis. You're going to get muscle soreness, psoriasis. Um, Capsiva is all Sorry. natural. It's okay. <laughs> Capsiva is all natural and designed to increase blood flow for the healing and pain relief process. Uh, try it for free at capsiva.com. That's C-A-P-S-I-V-A.com. 
And uh, you know, Max, I'm an old man and I need this kind of stuff. It works. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Yeah, it's like Wolf of Brimley and Cocoon. You know what I mean? It's, you feel revitalized. It, that's exactly what it's like. Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Lindsay Larravee Photography. Uh, if you have checked out our website, hopefully you have. You've seen the amazing photos that were put up there. Lindsay, so good. Yeah, Lindsay and her team did all of those. She teased my hair. She was, she was fun to work with. Uh, just made the whole experience really exciting for us. She has been taking photos of families, children, and smiles in Metro Detroit since 2017. Um, she loves what she does, and it shows. She works with her clients, catches everything in the moment, and adores watching the connections and relationships unfold in front of her lens. If you mention Buzz in the Tower, you get $25 off any family session in 2021. You can find Lindsay on our website under our sponsors page. Uh, check her up and get some work done. She is fantastic. Yeah, she made us look good. She can make anyone look good. Okay, Max, tell me what the scene is or the thing you would change about this movie or whatever item you found some flaw in, which I can't imagine. So I'm actually kind of embarrassed by this, but it's how I feel. Julia Roberts auditioned and would have been great in this movie. I don't like Sigourney Weaver that much in this movie. Really? I know. And the thing is, I get why she's appealing and why it works. I think Julia Roberts would have crushed it. There's just I, something there's something so ice queeny about Sigourney Weaver in general. I kind of I kind of like that. I know for it. me, I think you like powerful women. More than I do. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Shout out to my wife. That is very true that I do like powerful women more than you do. Whatever. Selena's just as much. I know. I know. I know. I know, I know. Um, Wait, let's, let's erase this. I don't like this. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> no, you're not. You're good. It's no. fine. You know, we both like powerful women. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Please. Nope. It's staying. <laughs> Veto. Who are you going to call? Divorce attorneys. <laughs> not even married. <laughs> you will be soon. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Uh, I do think there are other movies that I'm much more kind of ro- romanticized the roles where I'm like, it has to be this person. Yeah. I could see other people doing Dana Barrett. I happen to really like Sigourney Weaver. Um, it would be a different feel and a different kind of movie. I think when you have Bill Murray across from anyone playing romantically, you have to have someone who's like a little bit more straight. I, know, know? I, I thought you could have someone funnier. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and that's also, not too. Terrible. Also, the uh, the climax is a little short. I think they just ran out of money. <laughs> like I wanted a little. I wanted three more minutes of marshmallow. Right, because yeah, you want like more special effects, more yeah. fighting. No, just marshmallow. I just wanted him <laughs> just wreaking havoc. All right. What's his name? He was a sailor. <laughs> What's his name? Lieutenant Puff. <laughs> Why, Lieutenant Puff? Where do you even get that from? <laughs> they say sailor in the movie. Right? No, he said he... <laughs> Lieutenant. All right. All right. I'll do something with that. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> Um, all right. I, I guess as far as criticisms go, I can live with that one. I, I don't I don't know that there's anything that I would change. I know you always call me a coward for not being able to at yeah. least deliver anything that I would change. Throw some. I, all right. I will try to. <laughs> that you just uh, Things escalated quicker than I thought they were going to. I think maybe the one thing that I would have liked is I thought the, the comedic value of them before they became Ghostbusters was funny. Yeah. It wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to have like a little bit more of... Uh, of, you know them working for the university them the 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 follies yeah it would have been fun it, it just moved kind of quickly but i understand why it would have yeah. made it a longer movie so if anything maybe a little bit more of that and uh and but other than that i mean it was a pretty perfect movie for me what about nick nolte as the mayor <laughs> <laughs> what about what about uh christopher walken as uh walter peck that'd be good yeah it could work right yeah Roddy Dangerfield and Egon. That's Egon. straight, straight face. Oh my god! I love your 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 massacre. Now we're recasting this movie. Uh, speaking coming of, up next, yeah, coming up next. What is uh, what's your favorite one liner from this movie? Oh my god! Now that's a little bit tougher because like I, I'm gonna have to pivot 
probably from what my original one was because I don't want to do the same as my scene, which is that end scene. Because I, I I'll give you a different one liner, but I'll let you go first. What are some, let me say it differently. What are some of your favorite one liners? So every day when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is look in the mirror and I say, when someone asks if you're a God, you say yes. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. What else do you have? That's a really good one, by the way. I got to like when uh, Lewis is inhabited by the key master or gatekeeper. Lewis is the key master. Yeah. When he's inhabited by him and like, do you want some coffee, Mr. Telly? Do I? <laughs> yes, have some. Yes, have some. Do you know what I mean? Like the goofiness of the possession is just so funny. When Spangler and Lewis, when Spangler's evaluating Lewis um, after he's basically brought in because he tries to uh, romanticize a horse yeah. <laughs> and carriage. When they bring him in, uh, Spangler says, um, Vince, you said before you were waiting for a sign. What sign are you waiting for? And he goes into this whole thing about goes right. Right. Yeah. And he's like giving the all the different forms. forms. <laughs> the, the final, the final sentence of this paragraph long absurdity, right? Which I'm going to butcher, but I'm going to read it anyways. Cause it's funny. They choose a new, they, they choose a new form for him. That of a giant slore. Many shoves and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of slore that day. I can tell you, I just, I find that entire sentence to be absurd. That's weird. It's super weird, yeah. but I love that he, this is what I loved about Rick Moranis is that even though he was possessed, he still brought elements of Tully. It was into goofy. Like yeah. Yeah, he, it was, it was very funny. Yeah. Uh, what are, what are some other of your favorite lines? I, I love when Ray is at the firehouse. He's like, we should stay here tonight. <laughs> like he's just like a little kid. And then, uh, uh what's his face? Uh, God, why can I never remember Bill Murray's care? Vankman. Yeah. And then Vankman says, we'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) The flowers are still standing is one of the best lines ever. You use that all the time. Yeah. All the time. This chick is toast. Um, Vankman and Spangler talking about uh, why they can't cross the streams. (laughs) The initial conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm fuzzy on the whole good, bad thing. (laughs) What do you mean bad? (laughs) Try to imagine all life as you know, it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Oh, total proton. And then that stance hops in total protonic reversal. I, I, the whole thing is great. Like they're, they're in conversation in the elevator. This might be the most quotable movie of all time. It's very quotable. That's one big Twinkie. <laughs> I could use a 600 pound Twinkie. <laughs> Would 35 feet be a 600 pound Twinkie? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much Twinkies weigh. I'd have to do the research on that. Do you have any more quotes? I have one more. Mother pus bucket. <laughs> Mother pus bucket. What was that for? That's Vankman when he oh, yeah. sees, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stay yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Stay Puff. Uh, Lieutenant. <laughs> First class, weirdo. Um, when uh, Ray, <laughs> they're all looking at Gozer and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And Ray steps up and says, Gozer the Gozerian, good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease and desist any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. That's good. <laughs> You're like, you only checked out like six seconds ago on the quote. I'm tired. You, yeah. You, you always get this way. You I feel like take the floor some of vitamins a or something. <laughs> I feel like the floor of a cab. That's a line. From what? From this. It is? Yeah. When? At the very end. What? Oh, yeah. When yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. See? Yeah. I brought your energy back. You knew yeah. something I didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Come back to me. <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> This is, we know we've got to the end I'm of the podcast. I'm covered in menthol <laughs> shaving menthol cream. Menthol shaving cream. Everything hurts. Uh, Max, we have a little bit of time left. It would be a perfect opportunity to do our Buzzing Tower Fan Spotlight. This week, we've got Samantha at lovefool.99. Yeah, we do. She is... Another one of these, the pandemic hit, she she saw a need 
for speed. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. It's not a speed. Not based. speed. It's, it's Instagram is. Yeah. yeah. Samantha there should be one though. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, very happily married. Couple kids. Uh, she her Instagram page again at lovefool.99 is splattered with you know we have some of these Instagram pages that are just 80s and some that are just 90s. She's got everything from like Britney Spears to Joe Dirt. Yeah, there's some um, to 16 Candles, some Urkel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all Josh over the Hartnett. place. It's good though. Yeah. I mean, like we, I love that kind of stuff. I like bouncing around. It's like I do too. On my head. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, she was you know. A 90s kid, but her parents hooked her on the 80s. And I love the reason why yeah. uh, her name's Samantha. So her dad had her watch 16 Candles when she was five years old because, so of, because of Sam. It is yeah. super adorable. <laughs> super adorable. Um, yeah, the father-daughter relationship is really cute in that movie, too. I, I bet he was like, ah. Right. Well, ah. Remember, we talked about that. I told you that scene when he's, uh, when he's like, crushes her. hurt. Yeah, yeah, that's why they hurt. They, would yeah. be, they wouldn't be called crushes if they hurt. And then the other part where if he doesn't see in the things in you, I see in yeah. you. Yeah, I love that. Um, so Samantha, you know, we gave her a tough question. Call you know reaching out to someone and saying hey what's your favorite scene of yeah, Ghostbusters kid. you know we yeah right we that's our job we got to come to work put our hat on that's what we do but Samantha did a wonderful job and why don't we hear what her answer is let's do it all right hey guys thank you so much for having me on the show I gotta say um, this is really exciting it's been a crazy stressful week as I was telling you about my house being in disarray and um, getting to be a part of this is really awesome thank you guys so much I just really love this community i found on instagram of movie tv show music nostalgic loving nerds like myself and you guys and it's just been so fun and really therapeutic in a lot of ways and i i appreciate you guys so much and all the other followers and stuff and the people i've met through this podcast and the community so great thank you all um ghostbusters grew up obsessed with that movie especially with my brother uh, a lot of people may not even know what a VHS tape is, but we watched Ghostbusters so much. We warped our VHS tape where my parents had to buy a new movie so we can watch it. My favorite scene in the movie is when Venkman, Bill Murray, gets slimed by Slimer. I used to laugh so hard at that part because I was actually really scared of Slimer and the other ghosts in the movie because I was really young. But when I could laugh at that part, at Bill Murray screaming and just kind of talking quiet, calmly on the walkie-talkie to Dan Aykroyd, I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. To this day, it makes me crack up. Um, I just love it so much. And I used to think that that hotel that Slimer was in was the Disneyland Haunted Mansion. And that's how my parents would get us to go on the Disneyland ride by saying, oh, you know, this is the Ghostbuster house. We found out much later years later in front of our friends that is not the ghostbuster house which was embarrassing later but love that movie and that part it's so funny she knocked it out of the park i feel so funky <laughs> that's my favorite line i think it's a it's a great scene the it's fact a, that he's just lying like a turtle in the middle of the road too. Even, even when he's scared when slimer's coming right yeah. at him he's still cool he's just like the scream is like a, a frozen scream why is he scared he knows ghosts exist like he's part of the ghostbusters I don't know. <laughs> like when it's coming at you i mean remember at this point they hadn't really I guess pretty freaked out and, too. and remember this yeah. is the first ghost that they captured so like yes yeah. they know they exist but it's not like the librarian ghost didn't like go through them yeah. and just yelled at him. Slimer's you know? gnarly too. And very gnarly. Well, you know, the whole story about Slimer was the homage to, to Belushi. Belushi. Yeah. So the funny part is they had the creator that did Slimer and they got to him like on the 11th hour and they're like, listen, you need to make this thing look like Belushi. And the creator said, all right, I'm on it. Yeah. 
and he didn't do anything. <laughs> and then he got back and said, I made it look like Belushi. And they're all like, oh, it's perfect. It looks just like Belushi. So it's a cute little story. Behind grand the scenes. Too. Slimer. Onion head, though. He's not he's not Slimer in this movie. No, you know? he's no. Onion head. Yeah. Slimer is. He doesn't seem stinky, though. He's probably the second most iconic visual outside of the ghost with the line through it of the entire movie. Right. Stay puff marshmallow, man. Oh, uh, yeah. You do love that marshmallow, yeah. man. You do. Too. I do, too. Uh, Lieutenant Max, Marshmallow. <laughs> good old Lieutenant Marshmallow. <laughs> Every time you say that, I think of Lieutenant Dan and I think of the Marshmallow Man like on a boat with being no like, legs. come on, give me. With no legs. No Marshmallow legs. <laughs> oh, man. Magic Marshmallow this legs. Is, this has gone to a terrible place. Uh, we did it. We talked about one of our favorites. We talked about, I mean, this, this movie. Them. Yeah, we, we love Ghostbusters. Yeah. So we talked about it. That's kind of the fun part of our job. It's the most obvious thing I've ever heard. I know. It's low-hanging fruit, but mo like... Mo see something. Mo podcast. Mo leggy. Mo leggy thing. Uh, you know, we called the Ghostbusters. We we needed help. We knew who to call. We Is there a number you can still call? That'd be great. We yeah. should check that up. Because I know there's a, there's, a, there's a Hall and Oates number you can still call for Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates a song anytime you need it. Yeah. I, we should, what is that number? Do you know what it is? <laughs> it's probably the number for Jenny. We'll, we'll post it. Eight six seven five three zero nine. I don't know that. I know that. <laughs> um, we we covered, I think, a lot of it. And again, we could have done. You know, we could have done a whole other episode on Ghostbusters 2. We could have covered more items, but we covered the stuff we wanted to cover, and I feel good about it. I could have done another four hours on this movie. Speaking of feeling good about things. Yeah. If you want to feel good about yourself, subscribe. You're beating me to the punch. I'll give you something before before subscribe. What? No, everything's subscribe's the best. Next week's a big episode. Yeah. I I won't say any more, but like, it's uh, empiric. It's ominous. <laughs> it's huge. Fathers, sons, it's, unite. It's big. It's big. Eddie, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Okay. That's sh- okay. Uh, for now, subscribe, review, stars, follow us on social media. All the good stuff. The tower. Make us feel good. We yeah. make you feel good. We do. I hope. That's the plan. I think they do. If I they listen so. to this part in the podcast. We get some, uh, the reviews, I'll tell you what though, a little teaser as well. I'm starting to lose my patience with your lack of love for the Goonies and we're getting some feedback. So we're going to talk about that next week as well. I like the Goonies. You like the Goonies. Yeah. But you don't you love like I hate it. I don't act like you hate it. And there's a story of why I watched it or how I watched it. And I'll let you know that next time. All right, next time. Teaser. More yeah, teasers. Yeah, yeah. This is a new spot. Tease. Yeah. Uh, Max, I got nothing else. Do you have anything? Any any last Ghostbuster words before we wrap this episode? We call them, I guess. That's not great. <laughs> that's really good. No, that's, no. It's, you, you clearly prepped for this. I think that's your strongest <laughs> work. Your strongest. You literally could have just said, we got one. Yeah. Like That, that would have that been fine. Although uh, that's what I'm saying. That's one big Twinkie. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I will see you next week. Later. Later. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.